episode 19. Welcome to another episode of the Beneath the Lamp podcast. We have Chris uh, and Eric. I am here. Excellent. And I'm Justin. Uh, today we are going to discuss media violence. And uh, this is a topic that Chris has put some thought into. And uh, I'm going to let him kick it off and then uh, we'll we'll jump into the discussion. Right. So... The, the whole idea kind of sprung up as Corey and I were binge-watching uh, several different programs, the most recent of which, uh, Yellowstone, actually, with Kevin Costner. It's a great, it's a great film, uh, show. And I think where I really got the uh, sort of sense of this this particular topic was Dexter, the show Dexter. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that one mm -hmm. at all. So Dexter, uh, the guy's a serial killer. He, he works for uh, Miami police department doing blood spatter analysis and uh, he's a serial killer right so uh, there's no hero in this story whatsoever and yet for some reason you find yourself rooting for dexter who is this notorious serial killer because his mo is only killing other serial killers and it occurred to me that you know this it's not exactly a new show and, and certainly there are newer shows to to base comparison off of but the violence that we've sort of kind of written into the subtext of our culture or the way that we view entertainment, it's almost as if it takes the place of, of, of some other primal need, urge, want. I don't even know. But it occurred to me as I was talking to Corey about this is, you know what we would call Dexter in uh, medieval times? We would have called him a knight. Sure. And, and you know, in, in the circus that, that has become uh, just just violence in nature in, in uh, Hollywood and TV and whatnot. That's the Coliseum. So I, I asked, you know, it just kind of got me wondering, like, what's changed? Has anything changed? Uh, is there some basal uh, instinct <clears throat> or need that drives uh, the humanity to have this sort of outlet for violence? And can we, I mean, can we even begin to comprehend um, how it is that we've, we've tailored sort of our, our viewing of that violence and you know all the studies that result from it video games causing violence movies causing violence and specifically in teenage or, or younger males is it or is it just basically the next outlet that we've we've developed to uh tackle this particular beast that's where my head's at these days and that's sort of kind of my take on on well, what the hell is violence anyway that's a good point i for one and if anybody's listened to enough of this show, they probably will anticipate what I'm going to say. I, people don't change. Uh, and I think it's very much uh, our culture to think that we're somehow more advanced, more woke than people in the past. But people don't change. Human beings don't, don't change. And there's definitely a violent aspect to humanity. Now, maybe that's just because we're in animal like anybody else i i don't want to even speculate on that but there's there is always going to be violence inherent in the system to quote one michael palin and i absolutely agree with the observation that uh violent video games violent movies is in the same in the same vein as the blood sports of years ago 
And I, I don't think it means we're any better or any worse. We're just different. Uh, I'm one of those people who tends to think that violence on TV or violence on video games doesn't make people more violent because I don't think it's a cause and effect. Or if anything, the if it's opposite. People watch violence on TV and play violent video games because they themselves are violent. Um, I don't see how people are worse off playing the violent video games. I think if they don't do that, there'll be some other way for people to let their violence out somewhere. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think this idea of violence desensitizing youth is is um, is an inevitability more than it is a condition of whichever media you partake in. Yeah. Playing video games may desensitize you to certain things, but the reality is, is if it wasn't video games, they'd find something to desensitize themselves to it. Well, I, right. And and that's where, I mean, the, the this is where the uh, topic always comes up well. You know, just uh, watching violent video games, uh, watching De- Dexter and so on, it does, it makes it easier for people to pl- play it out. I've, I've heard that argument. It, it, it makes it, it, uh, it normalizes that. And again, I just don't see that. I, I, don't, I don't see a human being sits down and watches a murder on t- TV and is any more likely to actually do it. I think that actually uh, it's almost counterintuitive. I mean, why, why would that, why would that make a difference? Why would watching something happen, make you more likely to do it? In fact, I would even go so far as to say that the advent of more extreme violence in media, viewable media has probably gone done, done more to decrease person on person violence. I mean, let's think about it for a minute. How, how did, how did things exist in before TV or even before radio or entertainment in general? Let's just start there. Before entertainment was a thing that incorporated violence, <clears throat> I mean, you're talking about the Wild West, an incredibly brutal period of time in which you had to carry a gun because I mean, you, you might be shot just for looking at somebody wrong. Yeah, that's that's not really the way that it was. The, the statistics, statistics say, don't back of, that up. And I was going to say, and of course, that could just be a glorification of how media these days actually portrays the old West. Which yeah. is, I think, to be honest, I think that actually, and I agree with J- Justin, that the Wild West wasn't as, as wild as we see. But media wants it to be that way because media right. thinks that, that we need that need to be filled. So it's almost the fact that we believe there is a Wild West actually strengthens Chris's point mm-hmm. because the the, they're filling what they perceive to be a need and trying to give some uh, historical verisimilitude to it by, you know, making up this wild place. Two books that I've read lately that I think have have a lot to say about this, and for two different reasons. I'm, I'm reading a fascinating book about a, uh, a North Korean uh, poet who actually de- de- defected to the West, and this just. It happened about 20 years ago. And in it, you know, he tells about everyday life in North, North Korea and about how people watched executions or about how you'd be walking along the streets in Pyongyang and, and there'd be a, a, just a dead body there. And it got me to th- thinking about the fact that we are one of the first cultures in world history, as far as I, I know, that the average person hasn't seen a corpse we just aren't as in touch with the uh, 
normality of death as I think most of the world has has been. And I, I think that that's that's one of the reasons why certain people freak out about violence in media is that we are so sh sheltered. Violence and death has been a part of life since the beginning of time. And this isn't a value judgment. It's just the way it is. And mm -hmm. most cultures in, in, in the world, death is part of it. And you see a corpse. I mean, my kids have never seen a dead body, period. It's just never happened. A second book I was reading was The uh, Mystery of C Capital by Her Hernando de, de Soto, who is, a, who is a Peruvian economist, talking about the third world and talking about how, while there is violence and people are poor in the thir third world, it's not – it's a completely d different concept than we deal with. We have the poor, quote-unquote, slums, but in – say Latin America, these, uh, these uh, favelas or these barrios actually have a lower crime rate than the c cities. And again, part of it is because these people deal with this every day. They've, able to, they've been able to create uh, order voluntarily, but, but again, it just, it just drives home that we are a very decadent culture that has completely well, not completely, but to a large extent, been able to separate ourselves from, from the violence and the death that is all over the world and is all over uh, history. And in a, in a sense, I guess I'm saying that there's nothing abnormal about violence being played out in front of you. It's just we are the only ones who are snowflake enough to act as if somehow seeing violence makes you violent. That's, uh, that's interesting. Um would agree with with that take wholeheartedly uh I, I think that it's intriguing that we've become so accepting of violence in media because we know that it's fake so it, i think i think it's pretty clear i think that with that your point about how we avoid uh dealing with death in any form i mean i don't think that you can argue that point i mean look at what's going on right now with uh with everything in our response to, to COVID. I mean, that fundamentally is a, a massive freakout about the reality of, you know, our, our own mortality. And, and then, yeah, I mean, then you look at the amount of violence that is being consumed and it, it, it's continually increasing, but we know it's all fiction. So would we consume that same level of violence if, if it wasn't fictional? True. I mean, I was going to, I was going to say, I mean, one of the points that you made before Eric, with respect to violence and, and crime and whatnot and, and justice and, and the systems that have, have exists that outside of this country have, have dealt with it in, in a certain way. Okay. But so what, what is making up for that? And, and is there anything that's making up for that? Or are they just a generally more peaceful uh, country? Where's the outlet for that violence go if it's not crime? Because it's not necessarily, um, they, I mean, they, they do often walk hand in hand, but they're not exclusive mutually exclusive, right? Mm -hmm. So what's the substitute then? Well, and I, I agree. And, and that's where I come back to, you know, people, we in the decadent West, with all of our technology, you know, all of our, you know, we're well-fed and all that, we, I think, want to feel like we are simply less violent than those crazies back in the Middle Ages or those, you know, people in the Middle East. And I, I disagree. I, we've just been able to challenge it, to channel it 
to, to an extent. Yeah, and, and but it's still there. I mean, it's absolutely st- still there, and um, at any time it can be unleashed. I mean, just whether or not you agree with the rioting that's happened over the last six months, that is violence, and mm-hmm. you may say that it's necessary or acceptable violence, but it's still violence. And you don't have to, to, to scratch very deep under the surface to find it there. And that's where I tend to agree with, with Chris that having an outlet for people to watch and experience violence is not a bad thing. I don't think it's a, 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 a bad thing, especially if you're able to choose what you want. My thought on this, and again, agree, um, my, my take on the point that you're trying to make is, is that, yes, violence is an innate part of humanity. You can't get rid of it. It's not something that's learned. It's something that's it, it, it's an ingrained um, part of you know our being. It, 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 was, it, it was a necessity to uh, get our species to where we're at. I mean, you have to be violent in order to, to survive in the past. So it's it's not something I you know a lot of folks like part of this argument is that if you see violence you're going to learn violence as if violence is triggered by the thought of or the, the images of it. Well, it's not violence isn't something that you learn. It's it's there. It's in our programming. It's in our DNA. So you right. can't just ignore it and expect it to go away. Right. What what you do learn is is violent action. Right. Yeah, and so I think that um, the question that you had asked Chris about some of these places, like the, you know the barrios and everything, I, th- I think that maybe um, the uh, the reason that some of those places that aren't being flooded with violent images, uh, may- maybe the reason that they're not as violent is that they haven't tried to pacify this need. They fully fully own the fact that they're violent people, mm-hmm. and they choose not to do it. So by accepting and understanding that capacity for violence you end up being much less violent because you 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 grasp the, uh, the 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 true consequences of that which i think could also apply to death i mean same idea that rather than running and hiding from it which is what large sectors of of society seem to be do- doing it it's embracing it uh, realizing it's part of who we are and being able to channel and control it i mean and again i i'm not saying that violence you know, we should all be around beating each other up, but it's part of hu- of hu- humanity. It, trying to get rid of our violent impulses re- removes what makes us human. I'd, I'd even go so far as to say that I think every historical event you've ever <clears throat> read about as children or, or learned in school needs to be re-evaluated with, the, with a healthy perspective of what violence truly is and how inherent it is in, in our humanity. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Because it, it becomes a matter of con- of glorifying conflict that we've won, while somehow uh, pulling the curtain down on the violent aspect of it. Nobody right. actually wins in these situations. We just happen to, you know, the cause just moved forward. That's about it. I'd I'd love to see that. Mm-hmm. Which is, and we we probably should have an entire series on Victor's history. But I agree. I mean, it, it's it's it, it's we all know. Oh well, you know. The, the Boston Tea Party. You know, there are these examples of where our violence worked, but where their violence didn't, and yep. it's very, it's very disingenuous. How about the Crusades? Well, and I was actually going to bring the, the, the Crusades up, Chris. Well, hold on. It's it's well known, at least in Crusades literature, that in a main reason 
that the Crusades were started was because the king of France wanted had finally uh, united the kingdom, and he had all these knights wandering around, and he knew there were going to be mar- violence. He knew there was this martial culture. So he says, let's redirect them away from me. Let's s- send them to the Holy Land. All they needed was a call of duty. That's exactly, well, that's exactly right. Now, I mean, and after the, the Crusades were done, that was... A, you know, they still had jousting. They they still had these. You know, you read about these huge, you know, thousand man armies who would beat the crap out of each other with wooden swords to reenact battles. That was the latter day, or the not, not the latter day, the, the former day version of a, a video game. And at least they were smart enough to recognize we're we're not going to be able to eradicate this. Let's let's try to compartmentalize it over there, away from our children. And yet, you know, well, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. Now, nah, never mind. Moot point. <laughs> <laughs> Rescinding we'll moot point. Talk. So let's just talk a little bit more about vi- video games here. There's what I have seen over the years. The ire of the people who don't like violence at is these first-person shooters. These games that put you in the seat of somebody with a gun and you're seeing through their, their eyes and you're fragging people and you're, you know, shooting their heads off. And I think their argument is how can you, how can you possibly be in the seat of a killer and not have that make a difference to which my response is it's a game you're, you're from the beginning. You are in a simulation and I cannot understand how somebody can honestly believe that me sitting in front of a computer with a mouse and pushing a button and a bunch of pixels that simulate a head ex- exploding, you know, a flash across the screen, how that in, in any way, shape, or form has anything to do with, with me actually physically hitting you. I'm, I, I've had people ask me the same thing. How, how does this not make you into a crazy person? <clears throat> and I simply respond, well, do you read science fiction or fiction literature at all like it's really no different than reading a violent book mm-hmm. you're still going to have the imagery in your head in one form or another this just lets me not have to put a whole lot of effort into into coming up with the image in my head for whatever and whatever your own personal needs are that are met by that the stats back this up it's it doesn't increase violence if anything like you said it lessens it and i really I honestly think, and part of this, and maybe this is where we have been been able to make some advances, is the fact that maybe we can get rid of these violent urges by watching stimulated or simulated violence, stimulated, and it's it's close enough that we don't need to see the real violence. Makes me wonder if these researchers who are. Uh, or well, researchers, politicians, moral crusaders, whoever it is that's commenting on the the detrimental effect of violent video games, if if they've ever been involved in real violence. Now, not even necessarily like fights or going off to war, but simply seeing death, like you were talking about, Eric. I mean, I grew up in the middle of nowhere um, on a farm, and so guns were part of, of growing up, and hunting was part of growing up. Uh, one of the things that we did... Uh, starting at a very like, relatively young age, so probably like eight, nine, ten years old, is we would go and um, shoot gophers because they would you know, dig up your uh, your pasture and 
create massive holes and cause problems for animals and people and vehicles and everything. And I mean, there's nothing in a video game that's even close to the the experience of you know shooting something as small as a gopher. I mean, the the sounds, the sights, the smells of of all of that. It it's it's very very real because it is, and it's not something that you can simulate in a video game, no matter how graphic it gets. Not until we not until we develop the te- technology where where somebody can can honestly believe that they're in re- reality and not just some kind of VR go- goggles because you still you can still you still know that you're in a, a simulation and I personally don't know if we're ever going to get to that technological level of, of where we can actually have true virtual reality but until that point it's simulated. I just mm-hmm. the, the, I don't think our brain can not take that into consideration that this is not real. It's mm-hmm. simulated. And and I agree. The first time I didn't fire a gun till I was like 19. Just I just never had the opportunity. And then I went out with a buddy of mine. He he let me his Glock. And we just we we shot up a, a an old VCR. There it is. It was nothing like I had ever ex, ex, expected. Just, mm-hmm. It's just a different thing. And as many first-person shooters as I had played up to that point, as many James Bond movies as I had watched, it was completely a different feel, smell, sound. So, I, again, I don't understand how a simulated violence can in any way affect actual violence yeah. by very definition. Nor do I. Well, and you you mentioned statistics uh, just a moment ago, Eric, and uh, so I pulled up some uh, some articles on this, and I'll, I'll put these in the uh, in the show notes. Uh, you're you're right; it's it's a very complicated subject, and any any time you're trying to do this, uh, you know, behavioral research, uh, you, massive problems just with designing and controlling the studies. Um, but set that aside. And there still isn't clear evidence that uh, consumption of violent media leads to violent tendencies. Now, the correlation has been proven that uh, people who consume large quantities of violent media tend to be more antisocial. Um, but that standard on its own has a huge gap. I mean, right. who's to say that maybe maybe we're being too sociable right now? I mean, is this the correct <laughs> level of sociability? I don't know. I was just going to say, it seems to be working fine for me. Right? <laughs> well, and there's, just like you said, I mean, there, the testing of that is almost impossible. But I, I would posit that if this is an, an actual problem, the correlation should reach out and slap you in, in the face. Right. I mean, it should be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And if you can't pr- prove it, it's not there. Right. I mean, the, circling around the degrees of maybe is just, it's bad right. science in my opinion. Right. And and I just the one if if there is an if there is an actual causation we we talked about this in one of our earliest podcasts I've been tra- tracking this and for what we're up to six six years now that sales of video games have outpaced box office re- receipts people are spending more on video games than they are on m- movies and I understand video games are more expensive but they all they're also played a lot more so we have this overwhelming 
number of video games, many if not most of which have a violent aspect to, to them, that are in just about every house in this in this nation. If if there isn't, if if the numbers aren't overwhelming, there isn't a a causation there. It just there can't be. You know what I see that as the the transition to the next version of outlet for violence, for to to exercise violence that is necessary. Well, I, I, that makes total sense to me. I mean, it makes total sense to me that, you know, one, humans are inherently violent. Two, we don't like that about our, ourselves, but understand it's going to be there. So three, we look for a way to let, let it out in a socially acceptable way. And it was in the past, it was gladiators, it was jousting, it was, you know, whatever. Now it's... Uh, virtualizing it, which to me is an improvement, but we're never going to get rid of it. And I think, again, not not to beat this poor horse, but I think it would be a negative effect to do so. I agree. Just one thing that I, I see, and I, I, as we all, all know, I love all things Korean. And so, if you look at Korea, which is perhaps the most video game e culture in the world uh you know they got pro sports there they're they are no more violent i looked this up yesterday the violent crime in korea has 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 gone down now i don't know if you can ever have a direct influence there but there's at least um at least the indications are that saturating korean culture with Violent imagery and violent video games has not had an, a net negative effect on, on the country, and if it doesn't affect them, it's not going to affect us. Yeah, well, and I mean, violent crime has dropped in the U.S. It's it's been going down since it peaked in ninety two or ninety three. Incredibly, right? And it's it's dropped by, oh my gosh, <laughs> it looks like it's about about forty percent from from the highs. I mean, that's a massive reduction in violent crime. You know what, you know what came out in ninety two ninety three? What's that? Hold on, I have to look this up exactly, but Judge it was uh, no. I want to say the N sixty four and PlayStation one were about around there, and I'm trying to remember when the first first person shooter came out. I'm trying to think because Goldeneye is the what, what was that ninety six? Uh, it was seven. Yeah, it was close. I mean, that's the first one I really remember playing. That's the first one that ever became popular for sure. Yeah. I mean, there were well, or there's actually humans, but I mean, you know, Doom was out um, sure. before then, and Wolfenstein. They were mid to early '90s, yeah. right? Yeah. So coincidence? And, I right. think so. <laughs> hey, correlation and, is good enough for this show, so we well, can book we that. Is not to go uh, all lawyer, but it's not our burden. I right. Mean, it's 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 their burden to prove, and we have just off the top of our our heads shown that if there is a correlation, it's going in the in the opposite direction. Right. And even even if if we can't prove there's not a correlation, it's 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 not our burden. Well, right. but there's so many so many of those things, and you know, again, I don't want to get too far afield here, but just another example of people people believe things that seem intuitive. So it seems intuitive that exposure to violence in media would increase violence. It's not the case. It seems intuitive that with more people having cell phones in the car when they're driving would lead to an increase in accidents. That's actually not happening either. So if you look mm-hmm. at the stats uh, um, um, of like, you know, miles driven are going up, people with phones going up, but the actual, you know, accident numbers are stagnant or declining slightly. 
So there's lots of these examples, um, you know, where where you could find no correlation whatsoever, and in fact, maybe even an inverse one. It's a dangerous just, thing when you. Yeah. It's a dangerous thing when a when a quote unquote scientist has an agenda. <laughs> that and uh, agendas are, of course, scary. But uh, just kind of to pick up where Justin left off, I, I, humans are only rational to the extent that they do what they want to do. Uh, the idea that we can somehow have this objective uh, standard to say this is rational behavior and this is irrational behavior, it just, it, it, you, you can't, that doesn't stand up. And all these aggregates, everything saying, well, you know, based on X, we think that Y is, is going to occur. That's, that's nice in retrospect. It's nice in retrospect to try to figure out why something happened. But to try to predict behavior is impossible. And I think this is a great example of it, where we have a couple people with axes to grind who don't like violent video games for whatever reason, are trying to extrapolate things out. And even if they use the numbers, it didn't work. But this is a problem with that way of thinking, uh, because we haven't seen it. I blame Tipper Gore. I do blame Tipper Gore. Which, I blame Canada. That goes without do saying. Remember, do you remember the you know the violent lyric sticker? Yeah. Or the explicit lyric sticker. I noticed that that's not required apparently anymore. Um, and I just I always I don't know about you guys, but when I bought a CD with that on on there, it was almost like a seal of approval from the government, as if saying, "We don't like this, so you are going to like this." <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I'm honestly wondering if they stopped doing that because it wasn't solving the problem as they saw. It. They saw the problem. People shouldn't swear, so we're we're gonna warn you. And we're like, well, hell yes. I don't want, <laughs> I want it. Now I want it more. Exactly. Well, I, I, so I can get the I can get the you know the bowdlerized version over here, or I can get the one with the sticker. Well, and you know what the sticker means? The, the sticker means the man doesn't like it. It means how, this is honestly what that what that artist feels, and they aren't censoring themselves. And how pissed off were you when you got through the entire album and didn't hear a single f***ing yeah, word? Absolutely. Excuse me. Excuse no, me, Apple. I'm going to bleep it out. <laughs> no, I, Chris, I've been there. You you have it, the sticker, and, and you look through it, and there's there's no swears. There's like, oh, oh, well, okay, well, this is uncomfortable, and this may be violent lyrics, but come on. Do right. you can't swear a bit? Do you remember the uproar over the V chip? Oh, I had completely forgotten about it until this discussion. The V chip, whatever happened with with that, it just died. right? It became parental controls. I mean, it. Uh... Yeah, no, I did. It went the way of ultraviolet. You have you have um, options for which to ignore media. Right. Instead of chip that that does it for you. Do you remember? Do you remember? That's what it was. The Carlin al- al- album. That the entire album cover was just the parental advir- advisory explicit lyrics thing and his and his eyes. Yes. Yeah. Was that, <laughs> that his was... stand up routine where he did the seven deadly words for the no, closing? No, I think bit? it was after that. I, okay. I think he had done that before. But I mean, it was you know the the idea. I just because I've got that that album. Seriously, it came out nineteen ninety. Yeah, it's because it's it's the one that ends with his with his great bit on on euphemisms. So here here's a question: uh, Somebody like George Carlin was uh, 
super edgy and you know he uh he was so out there that you mean you, you, again in you telling the story i mean like you felt like you were getting away with something by able to purchase his album right. um and i've heard other comedians talk about uh times in the, like the 70s and 80s when uh when prior was big and it was the same situation for them i mean there were people who because there were these de- decency standards of things you couldn't say people were able to to define themselves as rebels by defying mm-hmm. them Who's the rebel today? Is there anybody <laughs> that you could listen no to? Rebels. We don't need rebels. We have no rebels of need anymore. Right. I'm so so sad. Like, I mean, what are my kids going to rebel against me for? And you know, sneak out and purchase me? I, I just just, just you. Yeah. Just, just exactly. You. You're the rebel now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sad You're state. You're the man. You are now representative of the man in the struggle against teenage angst. Right. Oh my word. We are the man. We are the I man. Just want to go- I know we got to get off the, 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 the horn here. I just want to go on record saying that 64-bit technology saved violence in America. <laughs> I like it. I would agree. Buy the t-shirts here, folks. <laughs> you're going to have to go trademark that. You you got me to thinking, Justin, because you're right. Because I played – I think Wolfenstein was the first first-person shooter I played on a lap – no, on, on a PC. <laughs> and it was – I mean it must have been when? Like, like 90? Yeah. I mean, those things have been around as long as there been as there have been that te- technology, which is goes goes to say something. First release, nineteen eighty one. What? Wolfenstein well, had, is as old as two, we are. They had the two D version too. Yep, and this is what it is. It's a stealth stealth based action adventure shooter video game for Apple II. Released in nineteen eighty one, Atari eight bit, and the Commodore sixty four. Hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Man, that's there, impressive. Any so, any uh, anything else that we want to discuss on the topic of violence, or do we uh, if we finish beating the horse? I think that uh, horse is dead. I think so. All right, let's end right there. Um, 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 um,